Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and today we are going to talk about how to start believing in your ability to change, grow, and become whatever kind of person you want to be. So essentially, we are going to start talking about how to build your self-efficacy and self-belief. And since this is a nutrition and body image focused podcast, we're going to specifically be talking about how to do this in relationship to how you feel about food and your body. And I want to give you a little bit of a life update before we hop in. So I've been doing something a little bit different on Instagram recently. I've been sharing every morning just a photo and something that I am grateful for that day. And it's actually had a really interesting effect on me and how I think. Because I now find that I'm waking up every morning like searching for what am I grateful for today? What do I want to share about being grateful? And so a part of me is like I feel like this is performative like for Instagram but it's actually helping me hold myself accountable to starting the day out with gratitude. So that means like even if I wake up annoyed or like I stub my toe or I'm frustrated like my brain is still thinking what am I grateful for today? And I want to challenge you, if you see any of my stories on Instagram, reply with something that you're grateful for. Let's start challenging ourselves to begin the day with gratitude because it actually changes your brain, which is so freaking cool. But today, we are going to talk about self-efficacy and self-belief. And I want to start with a personal story, as always, because I used to believe that I was just someone that had no self-control around sweets. And literally some of my earliest memories, up and, and up until I was like 30 years old, some of my earliest memories were me like struggling to say no or to regulate myself around sweets. And I was never the person that was like, no thanks, like I don't feel like that cookie or no, I don't want ice cream. Like that was never me. I was the person that believed that I literally had an extra stomach for dessert And I found that there were only two ways for most of my life that I could keep myself away from sweets. So one, I needed some type of like barrier in place. So either I couldn't keep sweets at home or I somehow had, like there had to be a lot of effort for me to come buy them. Or the other way to keep myself away from sweets was to be in an environment that didn't have any or to be with people that didn't offer me any. And so a lot of this was like my external environment dictated whether or not I ate sweets rather than like my internal world being able to say like, hey, I don't actually need a cookie right now. I'm full, right? And that's really fucking unrealistic. I mean, I essentially crossed my fingers and hoped that no one would offer me a cookie or that no one else at the table wanted dessert or that I wouldn't feel like waiting in line at my bakery, right? And if you had asked me like five or six years ago, do you believe you're capable of changing your relationship to sweets? I probably would have said like, I really hope so, but I don't know. And it's wild because if you go into my kitchen right now, I have two kinds of ice cream in my freezer. I have about seven different types of chocolate in the cupboard and at least one type of biscuit. And the other day I realized as I was coming home, I was like, I really feel like some Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream. And I bought some. I had like three bites and I put it away and I just moved on with my night. And to get to the point where I can kind of take it or leave it to where I can actually say like I don't feel like dessert even if other people are having some, I first had to believe that I was capable of change even in the face of setbacks. And I didn't have to believe that I was capable of changing my relationship to sweets yet necessarily. I had to have an overarching belief that I, me as a human – 
I had the capacity to learn new skills, change how I think about things, and keep going when things felt hard. And basically, I had self-efficacy. And today, we are going to talk about how to build your self-efficacy around changes regarding how you eat, think about food, and your body. And this is important because we often think that our urges are stronger than we are. We think like it's a willpower thing. I'm just wired like this. Like I just have to control my environment. And I want to open you up to the idea that you are the way you are now with food in your body because over time, you have had experiences, you have learned things, you've been told things, you've reacted to things that have helped you learn how to be the way that you are now, which means you have the capacity to learn to be different. It's not your skill level that holds you back. It's not your willpower. It's not that you love Cheetos or pizza too much. In many cases, it is the belief that I can't change and every time I fail, I use that as proof that I am just stuck like this. And it's that you continue to seek out evidence in your life to prove that you are stuck, to prove that you are not capable, and that you continue to disregard the progress that you do make because it isn't big enough. It isn't important enough. It doesn't fit my expectations. And many of the women I work with are really, really, really good at focusing on everything they're failing at rather than everything they have already achieved or learned or changed. They are so used to trying really hard to change how they think about or relate to food in their bodies. And they're so used to it taking longer than they want it to. They're so used to it feeling challenging that even when they do see progress, it's really hard to believe that the progress that they see actually counts. And this lack of self-belief is often a self-fulfilling prophecy. I believe that I can't, so of course I can't. So let's define self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the belief that you have in yourself to achieve a goal, overcome a struggle, or rise to a challenge. It is closely linked to our confidence. Your self-confidence is the trust you have in abilities, judgments, and capabilities. So if you have self-efficacy, that may contribute to your self-confidence. If you are confident in your abilities, that will often contribute to your self-belief or your self-efficacy. And we can kind of use self-efficacy and self-belief interchangeably here. And it's key to persistence and perseverance and resilience on the path towards a goal. And of course, I'm going to give up, feel bad about myself, and hate taking on challenges if I don't believe that I can eventually achieve the thing. And here's the kicker, is that you can have self-efficacy and self-belief even if you don't have the knowledge, experience, or skill that you need yet. And here's a specific example of this. So I am currently recording my 99th Bite Size Nutrition podcast episode. I have over 80 podcast episodes on the Be Well Cartel feed and another 50 podcast episodes in Spanish that I recorded years ago that you can find on this feed. And when I first started podcasting, I like knew what a podcast was, but I didn't know how to do it. I knew like the very basic stuff, like somehow I have to record my voice and then post it for people to listen, right? And without self-efficacy or self-belief, I would have believed that I needed a lot more information, I needed a lot more experience, and that I probably wasn't going to be able to do it. But I believed in myself. I, I knew that I could figure it out. I knew that I had the capacity to research, I had the capacity to try new things, and that I could find the answers. And because of my self-efficacy, I have now, as I mentioned, I have over 150 podcast episodes that I have recorded, edited, and posted. 
And without self-efficacy, I probably would still be focusing on all of the reasons why I shouldn't start a podcast. And so we're going to start building your self-efficacy, whether it is in your ability to stop eating when you feel full, whether it's to feel more in control around certain foods, or practice a new skill like meal prepping, emotional regulation, or self-compassion. And first, I want to give you permission to believe that you can. You have gotten this far, and you've gotten this far by learning and adapting to your surroundings and by doing your best to keep yourself safe and alive. And you might have developed some maladaptive habits along the way. And maladaptive habits are habits that perhaps don't align with what you would like to do in the future, that don't help you achieve what you actually want, that don't help you feel the way that you want to feel. And that's okay. You have done the best with the tools that you have up to this point. Now we just need to believe that we have the ability to learn new tools and skills. And you are not stuck this way unless you believe that you are. And first, I want you to think about an area in your life that you have high self-efficacy. So for example, you might have high self-efficacy in something that you feel quite skilled or practice. So in your work, you might have high self-efficacy maybe as a parent, as a dog mom, in a sport that you've played or a hobby that you've had for a long time. And you believe in your ability to take on new challenges and achieve goals in that area because somehow you know I'm going to be able to do this. Now I want you to consider where you have low self-efficacy. It might be in your ability to self-regulate around food, in your ability to cope with emotions without emotional eating, or in your ability to appreciate your body outside of weight or appearance. Or maybe you're like me and you have low self-efficacy around reducing your sugar intake or regulating your actions around sugar. And it is totally normal to have different levels of self-efficacy in different areas of life. But here's how I want you to think about it. I've proven to myself in other areas that I am capable of tackling obstacles, growing and learning. So why on earth could I not be capable in this area? And if you Google how to build self-efficacy, one of the first tips that comes up is quote unquote, set goals and achieve them. And I kind of hate this tip because if you are like most of the individuals who are drawn to my content or who resonate with me and what I talk about, you probably feel like you are always setting goals for yourself and not achieving them. And when you don't achieve those goals, you continue to reinforce low self-efficacy. And I want you to consider this is not because you are not capable. It is because you have consistently set goals without taking into consideration what is actually realistic, what skills you need to achieve that goal, and what a compassionate timeline for that goal actually is. And so here's my actionable tip for setting goals to build self-efficacy and self-belief. Think really fucking small. For example, if your goal is to accept your body at any shape or size, that is a big fucking goal, right? And it realistically could take years. So instead of thinking like, how do I start accepting my body at any shape or size, like right now, let's think about what can I do today to move me closer towards that end goal? And how do I set mini goals along the way? So you might say, I'm going to say a positive affirmation to myself in the mirror every morning. And the goal becomes saying a positive affirmation to myself in the, in the mirror every morning. You could choose to write down something that you're grateful for your body for doing for you from a functional standpoint. So you could practice body functionality. And the goal could be aim to practice body functionality daily, right? And so instead of thinking like, this goal is so far off, I'm never going to get there. 
you can actually focus on each mini goal and achieving the mini goal and seeing that as progress. These tiny goals really add up. And so I want you to think about, look at your big goal. Look at the thing that feels far off. And I want you to break it down into all of the little actions and steps that are building blocks for that larger goal. Can you believe in your ability to do a tiny step? That is a step towards self-efficacy. And a note here, if you really struggle to break big goals down into smaller goals, that's where coaching can be so incredibly helpful. Here's your next step. You are going to start building your internal locus of control. And this is a really fascinating concept because your internal locus of control is essentially how much you believe that you are in control of your actions and your life. And on the flip side, an external locus of control refers to belief that what happens to you is outside of your control. So here's an example. Someone with a high internal locus of control may be able to stop eating even if there is food on the plate. Someone with a high external locus of control would blame their overeating on a large portion size or having too much temptation on hand. And so a big part of this is taking radical responsibility for our actions, thoughts, and reactions. And you can do this by starting to bring awareness to where you blame external circumstances or environment for your struggles versus where you're taking personal responsibility. And I want to give you a personal example from my life. I used to have dinner with two girlfriends every month or so. And one of these girlfriends would bring these absolutely insane, delicious, gooey brownies. And I would sit there and I would have six of them in one go, right? And I, if I was blaming my external locus of control, I'd be like, you know what? Why did she have to bring these brownies over? She knows I can't control myself. She's seen me do this month after month, right? And that would be blaming what was happening to me on external circumstance or my environment, right? That was essentially telling myself I can't control my actions. And so I needed to shift to an internal locus of control in this situation. I needed to accept like, hey, the circumstance is my friend is going to bring over brownies. So how do I help myself act or think in alignment with how I would like to interact with the situation, right? And so how do I help myself remember that eating six brownies makes me feel like shit and that I actually enjoy eating the first brownie way more than the fifth one? And then this actually happened. I started practicing taking a pause between brownie one and brownie two. I started practicing savoring each bite when I ate something sweet instead of eating, simply thinking about the next bite I would shove in my mouth. And I even practiced by making my own brownies at home and having them on hand. So eating these brownies didn't feel like this, oh my gosh, special occasion, I have to take advantage. It was like, hey, you know what? If I want brownies, I can make them anytime. And the last time my friend brought these brownies over, I think I ate half of one of them. And this was the power of developing an internal locus of control. It helped me build my belief in that I have control over my actions. I am in control of my behavior. And what happens outside of me, sometimes I can't control. But I'm not going to blame my behavior on that. And so here's your actionable tip. I want you to identify a situation where you are outsourcing your control. Maybe it's at work. There's always some sort of like tempting treat. Maybe at home, your partner will bring home pizza when you actually kind of wanted a homemade dinner. And I want you to turn this around. The circumstance, the environment, is what it is. Accept it. It is what it is. Now the question is, what is within your control around your behavior or your thoughts or your actions in this situation? 
Imagine that you have full responsibility and allow that to empower you. And this is a big part of the coaching that I do with clients is we'll practice taking back our internal locus of control and identifying all of the things that simply like we can't control them. So how do we practice accepting them? The last big step towards self-efficacy and then I have like a rapid fire actionable tips for you is to stop taking whatever your brain tells you as the truth. And one of my absolute favorite quotes ever is our brains do not exist to make us happy. They exist to keep us safe. Which is really powerful to remember because our thoughts will often like tell us things to keep us safe, but not necessarily help us get out of our our, uh, comfort zone or grow or believe that we can change. But here's the thing. Our thoughts are just fucking thoughts. They are not directions. They are not facts. And they are often not even the truth. We experience something called confirmation bias. If we believe something to be true, we will seek out evidence, whether consciously or unconsciously, to continue to prove that belief to be correct. And so if you believe that you cannot control yourself around pizza, you are likely to continue to focus on evidence that you can't control yourself around pizza instead of look for possibilities of how you can. So how do we start questioning our thoughts? So I really like this exercise around factor feeling. I will often do this with clients or share this with clients um, because it really helps us break down like what am I telling myself versus what are the facts of a situation, right? And so here's an example. A really common one amongst women that tend to work with me is like I have no self-control specifically around like certain foods, right? And I feel like I have no self-control is not proof that you do not have self-control. So I want you to think about what experiences or what areas in your life do you have self-control? For example, maybe you feel kind of out of control around chocolate, but there are lots of foods that you don't necessarily stuff your face with every single time you eat them. And so we want to actually look at the facts when you tell yourself something. So instead of being like, I have no self-control around chocolate, I'm, I'm such a failure, what's wrong with me? We can say, the facts are, I ate an entire bar of chocolate last night. Another fact might be I didn't eat an afternoon snack. Another fact might be I worked 10 hours yesterday. And another fact might be I felt sick after I ate that much. And then we want to recognize that the thoughts that we have is us attaching meaning to these facts. And so you might then tell yourself I ate too quickly. I'm a failure. I have no self-control around chocolate. I should just give up. And so this is where if we take the facts of what actually happened, we can start looking at How do I practice this concept of internal locus of control instead of simply allowing my thoughts to tell me I can't change? And you'll likely notice that you do have self-control in some areas of life and that self-control in other areas is harder. And so here's what I want you to do is actually make a list. Where do you show self-control? And this could be like, where do I show uh, myself that I'm consistent? Or where do I show myself that I do have a routine? Whatever it is that you're struggling with. How do you actually practice this self-control? What helps you have self-control in those areas? How do you support yourself towards practicing self-control or self-regulation as a skill? And this is where you're going to go back and listen to episode 97 for more on this if you haven't yet. But this is about shifting our thoughts towards constructiveness instead of like holding ourselves back. And questioning our thoughts is, is really big. It's a huge incredible like beautiful thing because we start to realize that we have so much more power over our thoughts and our actions than we do and 
it's big because so many of my clients are individuals whose brains tend to focus on all of the bad stuff that they do or how far away they are from a goal and really brush off all the good stuff or all the progress that they're making is like no big deal. And so here's an example. A client who's working on her emotional regulation skills and reducing impulsive eating and emotional eating, she was like, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Her thoughts were telling her, I'm failing. I'm not getting any closer to my goal. I'm totally stuck. And when we actually broke these thoughts down, we identified that the facts were that she has progressed and learned in so many areas. She was learning to pause more often. She understood her thoughts and feelings so much better than a few months previously. And even when she did eat impulsively, it was more likely that she could stop than it was before. But she was so used to accepting her thoughts as the truth that it really got in the way of her self-belief and her self-efficacy. Efficacy. And so I want to wrap this up with some rapid fire actionable tips. And I also want to leave you with, you have permission to wildly believe in your ability to change. Time is going to go by anyways. Tomorrow's going to happen no matter what. What if instead of telling yourself, this is going too slow, I'm not getting anywhere, I don't believe I can do it, you told yourself, I'm going to wake up tomorrow no matter what. No matter how slow this goes, I might as well keep going. I might as well believe that I can because what other option do I have? So actionable rapid fire tips. Set smaller goals and review your goals more often. Think about what can I actually do today and allow the learning process to be part of the feeling of achievement. The next one, take radical responsibility for your actions and your growth. Your environment, yes, may make things more challenging, but sometimes you cannot change your environment. And so environment, circumstances, they may simply need to be something that we accept. But you can always change your perspective, your thoughts, the way that you view a situation, and what you do inside yourself. I want you to also start searching for areas in your life where you do have self-efficacy and use that as a parallel for your challenge areas. So where in your life have you learned to do something that used to feel totally out of reach and use that as proof that you can believe in yourself? I also want you to question the fuck out of your thoughts. Do not take what you say to yourself as the blind truth. Your mind may be convincing yourself that something is true just because it feels safe and you may really benefit for searching specifically for evidence to prove that thought wrong. And then start building new skills or doing a hobby or trying new activities that have nothing to do with food or your body. Show yourself that you are capable of learning new things, whether it is like keeping a plant alive or doing a puzzle or going to improv classes. These are all things from my own life. Um, And in doing those different things, your self-efficacy in other areas may improve along the way. And the last thing that I want to say before we wrap up for the day is that I truly believe that a lot of the time we don't ask for help or support or coaching around specifically our relationship with food or our bodies because we kind of believe that even if we get support, we are not going to be able to achieve what we want to achieve. So I want to challenge you to start believing that you can. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do things by yourself. It can be so powerful to get support in a structured way, in a way that helps you build these skills and shift the way that you think and the way that you act. 
And in believing that you have the capacity to do so, I want that to open you up to also the idea that you do not need to do this alone. This is not something that you need to suffer and push yourself and be like, I should know how to do this. Why am I not doing it? This is why most therapists have their own therapist, which is why most coaches have their own coaches. And some of the most successful people with the highest self-efficacy will often be the ones that will work with others and ask for help from others in order to achieve the things that they want to achieve. So I want to leave you with that is that you can believe in your ability to achieve things and also you can believe in the fact that you do not need to do this alone. With that, let's wrap up. If you're listening to this in real time, so if you're listening to this the week of September 11th, 2023, the Confident Eater is open for enrollment. And this is perfect for you if you want to work on changing your thoughts and actions around food. Start being the person that can leave food on the plate, the person that doesn't need a tracking app to tell them exactly what to eat, or the person that can choose whether they say yes or no to sweets. The Confident Eater is your path to get there. It is skill building, it is mindset shifting, and it is a step-by-step process. And you will find details for that in the show notes, or you can reach out to me on Instagram with any questions. And I also have a little personal goal that whether or not you ever want to work with me, whether you're just someone that loves listening to this podcast, this is something that you can help me with. I have a personal goal of reaching over a thousand unique listeners in the next couple of months. It's an arbitrary goal, just made it up. I would love to reach over a thousand unique individuals and you can help me with this. So if you enjoy this podcast, send it on to someone who needs to hear this. Send it on to someone that may benefit from this boost of motivation, some insight, some self-efficacy. And also, if you are listening to this for the first time, hit follow so you don't miss any more episodes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go water my plants because I am in my plant era and my gratitude era. And I want my plants to thrive, man. Super random thing to say at the end. I know. I'm bad. You know what it is? Is I really don't know how to end a podcast. I just want to keep talking to you guys. Anyways, with that, I hope that you have a lovely day and I will talk to you next time.